0: You're listening to the official Ankeny Community School District podcast, We Are Ankeny, where we're sparking conversations about all things Ankeny Schools. Hey, Ankeny Community, thanks for joining me today. I'm Dr. Eric Pruitt, Superintendent of Ankeny Schools, and let's talk about the new strategic plan. With me today are returning podcast guests, Dr. Jen Lindemann, our Chief Officer of Academic Services, and Dr. Darren Hawk, Chief Operations Officer. Also joining us today for, for her very first time on the podcast is Director of Human Resources, Jody Graham. Jody is responsible for all things talent recruitment and retention for Ankeny Schools. Welcome, Jen, Darren, and Jody. Good morning. Good morning. Jody? Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> uh, really happy to have all three of you here and really excited to talk about our new strategic plan that was approved um, recently. Um, Ankeny community is my privilege to introduce you to the new Ankeny community Sh- uh, district strategic plan and graduate profile. They were unanimously um, approved by the school board on Monday, May 16th. Today, we'll talk specifically about the strategic plan. Throughout the year, planning teams worked hard to reimagine how we might improve the, serving our students. Teams of parents, community members, students and staff worked to create this document that will guide our district Um, around how we'll operate and strive to achieve our goals. Our hope is that we will serve as an anchor, this document will serve as an anchor for all the district's work for the next five years. The work of updating our strategic plan began with a core team of approximately 30 people, students, parents, community members, and staff developing a framework and our updated mission statement, which is, The Ankeny Community School District engages all students in an educational experience that equips them with the skills to flourish in and contribute to an ever-changing world. Following the core uh, core team's work, seven action teams made up of nearly 200 individuals from across the community then work to develop specific concrete strategies to bring the framework to life. This work resulted in a plan built on three core pillars, the prioritization of academic rigor and relevance, a focus on maintaining the system of talented people and a commitment to providing supportive learning environments for all of our students. And so let's dig into it. So pillar, pillar one, which really r- really revolves around our core, around um, academics, our expectations for how we want our students, what, what we want our students to learn, Um, And how our curriculum is going to continue to be rigorous and relevant for all of our students. So Dr. Lindeman, can you give an overview of the academic rigor and relevance portion um, and its key components?
1: Yeah, and I'd like to start by um, really connecting that to the mission statement, because I think the mission statement really casts the vision for that, and that mission statement says that we're going to engage every student, all of our students, in an educational experience that equips them with the skills to flourish in and contribute to an ever-changing world. So when you think about the rigorous and relevant uh, academics portion of our strategic plan, we're really working toward every student being prepared to graduate, being graduating prepared for post-secondary success. And it starts with a a solid foundation, a a solid foundation of core academics where um, we're we're holding ourselves to 100% of our students, um, meeting or exceeding those standards of our academic program. Embedding uh, a leader in me um, and 100% of our students, uh, demonstrating those skills and, and um, leadership uh, attributes that, that we teach through leader in me processes, and then making sure that every single task in which we ga- engage students um, is rigorous and meets that student where they're at and helps them grow beyond where they are. Following that, then, we really want to start stretching our our system and stretching um, our our students into – Different learning models, providing opportunities for students to learn in various ways, creating voice and choice in those learning experiences. As students get older, perhaps um, their post-secondary plans um, entail them stepping off of campus and going out to a workplace for experience. Maybe because of that, then they want to take an online class um, to to free up some time during their day. But really looking at ways that we can differentiate that experience for kids and stretch them in a way that prepares them for that post-secondary success. At our at all of our levels we want to embed some challenge-based learning in the experiences that students have. Challenge-based learning is really project-based learning that emphasizes those 21st century skills and engages kids in real-world tasks and critical thinking. And then um, Lastly, uh, we talk about uh, what this will look like and what we want for every child when we leave here. And we'll connect very closely to the graduate profile, of course. But we want a system where every single student experiences career exploration and ultimately career preparation. while they go through our system so that looks very different of course for a kindergartner and a middle schooler and a high schooler Um, it can be some exploration built into the curriculum at those lower levels as they grow uh, deeper in uh, further in their their learning maybe it's bringing in some outside experts or creating some simulations and as they get into those upper levels it's really getting them into those workplaces apprenticeships internships those types of things Certainly tied to that is creating a, a wide range of offerings. And of course, Ankeny has currently a, a, a very broad set of offerings, but just continuing to strengthen that, broaden that, so that um, our students are experiencing those things that prepare them for their future, including AP coursework, including college coursework through through DMAC. Um, all of those types of experiences also help students plan for and... Prepare for that post-secondary success.
0: And so you mentioned post-secondary success and you know what's really been important to me throughout this entire year with the strategic planning process, with a with drafting our, our draft dei framework, um, in addition to the graduate profiles that we have, common language internally within our organization, but then also for our parents and community around this common language that we use in education. And so when you say post-secondary success, what what should that mean to us in our district and for our parents and students?
1: So post-secondary success can look a, a, in a variety of different ways. It's individualized based on what that student um, sets forth in their, their plans their experience through our system in order to prepare them for whatever that might be has to start with a solid core of academic preparation and um, growing every student around those standards of learning across all content areas, wherever they are developing their skills and stretching them um, further. That's that's key. The next piece, and we, we hear this often from our um uh, folks in private sector is developing those skills that we know are important no matter the workplace that you land in in your future no matter where you might find yourself when you're 25 30 40 those skills that are important such as collaboration with one another the ability to communicate with others um, the ability to be empathetic those, those types of um, skills and, and attributes we want to embed those experiences And those opportunities for kids to demonstrate and develop those in our classrooms. Leader in Me is a component that really helps us do that. Helping kids find their voice and uh, really choose areas that they want to practice those skills of leadership and collaboration and working with others.
0: Because we've maintained our focus on having high quality um, academics, curriculum, being uh, rigorous and, re- and relevant in what we're teaching our kids. The way we've um, structured our strategic plan, we, we we have an intentional focus on foundational skills, um, how we develop that solid core for our students and the growth and innovation that we are thinking about as far as what education might look like 5, 10, 15 years from now. So can you talk about how um, we are going to maintain our, um, our focus on the standards, the skills, the competencies um, our students are gonna need by the time that they graduate from um, Ankeny Community School District.
1: Well, being exceptionally clear about the standards for every student and then getting, um, helping our teachers develop instruction that engages students in those standards through relevant and rigorous tasks that they perform in the classroom, connecting them to experiences that they might have outside the classroom or ahead in their work, but then using using evidence from those experiences to really monitor the progress students are making towards those standards. Are they progressing? Are they really at that standard where we need them to be? Are we stretching them beyond that standard? monitoring that and then continuing to align our instruction to where students are in their learning. We do that through some uh, data systems we utilize. Teachers do that on a, on a micro level within their classroom on a day-to-day basis. They, they do that also in teams. We call professional learning communities on, on a weekly basis for sure we do that at the building level we are our principals monitor building level data on a routine basis and then certainly we do that at a system level but that monitoring of progress of each and every student and particularly at that classroom level using that data to really drive where we go next with our instruction with students is key to every student leaving um, their their ankeny experience um, having learned and demonstrated all the skills they need to be successful,
0: absolutely. And, and so, what what I've come to understand um, during my time here in Ankeny is that the the students' educational experience uh, here in Ankeny is grounded in academic and behavior standards aligned to the Iowa core Mm -hmm. and 21st century skills. And we're going to actually maintain that, but also look to how we improve and grow that over the course of um, our time serving here in Ankeny community school district. And so can you, can you talk to me about, you know, since we are grounded in uh, these academic and behavioral standards um, uh, aligned to the Iowa core, you know, how, how do we, plan or continue to think about how we um, hold our students accountable for the, uh, the academic expectations and behavioral expectations that we have for them.
1: hmm So um – I'm glad you brought up the behavioral side of that. I I hadn't even gotten to that yet, but we certainly have behavior expectations and standards that we teach to related to behaviors as well as academics, and we look for evidence of student learning aligned to both those types of standards. And the way that we go about holding students accountable is... Um, really, again, looking at what we're seeing from them in those those tasks, those activities, through observation, through collecting evidence, and seeing seeing what we're getting from them, and then and using that to then plan for what's next for students. In that, however, I think what what's really key from for, from a classroom teacher's perspective is to think about how do how can we give the student voice and choice and ownership in that learning. Um, The stronger we are at engaging students in a way where they feel like they have ownership of the learning, um, the more engaged they are in the task, um, maybe giving them different ways to demonstrate that task. let's say they're studying something in in the science realm and they are to demonstrate to the teacher they're learning around that particular component related to science. Um, How they demonstrate that, giving some choice to them and how they demonstrate that, lets them then take ownership of showing what they've learned. And I think... Doing that helps students build internal accountability to learning, become curious, invest more into learning. That's the type of accountability we really want to build in children is that internal component where they're motivated and um, engaged and really initiating their own learning as opposed to external accountability. Sometimes we have to p- do that, of course, and set some parameters and and um, really maybe practice certain behaviors on the behavior side to, to create fluency in students in that. But the better we are at ingra- in integrating that and embedding it into the tasks that they're engaged in and letting them lead, uh, I, I really believe the stronger our students are in their learning.
0: You had mentioned student voice and choice. And so you know, for our listeners, can you explain what student voice means and What's the role of the parent with regards to student voice and choice in a student's academic career here in Ankeny?
1: Gosh, that's a great question. So I'll start with the first part of that. I think um, student voice and choice is really uh, within a classroom is really about the teacher creating experiences in the classroom that engage the student in learning the content they need or developing the skills that we want them to learn but doing it in a way that the student can choose what that looks like. Certainly, I think many of our community members would would be familiar with times, for example, that a student might get to choose which book they want to read to learn more about a particular topic or to develop their reading skills. But but it's broader than that. Sometimes our teachers will use um, menu boards in their classrooms. So there's multiple ways to maybe... Um, develop a skill. So let's give the student um, choice in which way they would like to go about developing that skill.
0: And I just want to point out that this this idea of providing students choice in the classroom requires a certain level of sophistication yes. from our teachers that that have this experience around how the standards, how pedagogy fits into yes. their classroom. And so this isn't something that's haphazard where students are in the classroom and just are choosing what they want to do this has been carefully planned out by the teachers that we have in our in every classroom here in Aiken correct
1: correct and i think it's this is why as a part of our curriculum review process one of the key components of that is really unpacking standards so taking a standard and fully unpacking all of the components of that standard what are the skills that contribute to that standard how do we know when students um, have mastered that standard? What does that look like? Teachers have the full breadth of that understanding, and that allows them then to design learning experiences that um, there's not one right way to get to the development of that skill. There are multiple ways to get to that skill. The, the tight part is the part that's, that's um, I guess, true for every child is that they learn or develop the standard. The, the looser part, I guess, around that, or the, wh- this is where the the skill of the teacher comes in, is the development of experiences that help the child learn that standard or develop that skill, right? Right. Um, and So I, when I think about that from, you asked about how parents and community um, can, or families in particular, might engage in that. I think one, that starts with a, a relationship with the classroom teacher and, um I know that our classroom teachers uh, work to communicate with families regularly as a whole group of students, but also individually. And um, our teachers are really working um, on ways to put resources out there for families to use. So maybe talking with a teacher based on what you know about my child and where they are, and here are some of the interests I know about my child. What are some of the things that we could be doing at home to support that? The other side of that is that sometimes... um, Uh, Our families have things to offer um, to teachers in terms of experiences they've had or backgrounds that they might bring or careers they have. And so offering that as a way of helping the classroom for other students. So I think it's just really, it's related to uh, having an open communication line between the teacher and the parent and then together working on using the resources that we have and they have to best support that child.
0: Yeah, I think that you um, have just, Outline the, the 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 type of skill that's needed by our teachers in our district are, are around really addressing the needs of the students that are in their classroom. And so, um, because again, we have these we have high expectations for our students uh, both academically and behaviorally. You know how how does the the uh, strategic plan support a year's worth of growth um, for all of our students?
1: Mm-hmm. Th- this goes back, again, to the level of expertise that our teachers have because um, you heard me talk earlier about the importance of um, teachers designing those instructional tasks that students engage in and, and drawing evidence from that. evidence. When I say evidence, um, uh, people might think of traditional types of um Ways of gathering evidence like tests, quizzes, question sets. But there's also uh, observations or one-on-one interactions. Our teachers confer often with students. Ways that they're um, coming to understand where the student is at in their learning. And um, that whole process is so critical for a classroom teacher so that they know where that child is in relationship to the standards that they're learning in the classroom. And... um, uh, I just lost sight of your question, Dr. Pruitt.
0: No, I think that the the level of skill that's needed and then the connection to how parents can connect to that voice and choice that students are having in the classroom. And so for me, is I think it's really connected. I'm, I'm going to move up to secondary when I've talked oh. about concrete post-secondary plans. And so this idea of student voice um, with regards to um, post-secondary success is um, our counselors that are um, uh, supporting students in our six, seven, eight, nine buildings, when we begin to having uh, begin having conversations with our students around potential, um, career pathways or schools that they're interested in this is where I think parents can come in as far as we've laid out a, a, a particular um, uh, um, pathway with regards to the types of courses that your child may need if you want to be a doctor an accountant or if you want to be a diesel mechanic or a carpenter. These is, I think, this is a. These are opportunities for for parents to talk with their child, talk with their counselor around how to make the choices um, around their academic uh, career leading up to graduation.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking um, earlier about a year's worth of growth. Right. That's where I kind of stopped right. my conversation, and and, and I, I do want to just summarize that with be, with a statement that. Ultimately, teachers are monitoring that through assessment and, and making sure that every child is growing at least a year's growth, I would say, in some cases uh, more than that. Um, when kids get to the secondary level and um, they, in sixth grade uh, in particular, we start to think about what is that uh individual plan for post-secondary what does that look like Mm -hmm. for a child and engage the family in that there are many components that we need to make sure that uh, that work together in that process certainly there's the family component and what what the family might be thinking and talking about and and exploring certainly the classroom experience so building in experiences in our classrooms where students get to test out or try out different skills and see how they connect to careers, maybe in areas of interest, and sometimes they find out, wow, that's really not something I'm interested in, but those experiences are key to start um, supporting students thinking about what that might look like, and then I would say a a third piece is really the components, um, yes, through our counseling um, um, support, uh-huh. engaging in s- interest inventories or uh, job fairs or maybe little um, um, experiences outside the school to explore a, a, a career pathway, using the resources that we currently have and need to develop more of those, those um pathways that we can put in front of students and say, if this is an area of interest, here's what your pathway might look like um, as you move through the next six, seven, eight years. So all of those really working together, and and I'm going to go back to the importance of that partnership with the family in that process, and a system that we have in place currently, and we just need to strengthen that, where it's, it's called Naviance, but where not only are counselors and students engaged in using Naviance to, to, um, uh, I guess, record some of those experiences and and keep track of what the student um, interests and skills are, but also parents can use that. They can sit down with their child and look at it together, maybe walk through uh, options uh, in an area of interest, that sort of thing. So getting strengthening that partnership by using that shared tool to support our kids in the process of development um, towards some post-secondary plan.
0: No, absolutely. Um, I I, I think um, most of our uh, listeners that are parents are uh, fairly familiar with project-based learning. Mm -hmm. But earlier you had mentioned challenge-based learning. And so can you um, talk about this concept around challenge-based learning project-based learning and, you know, what does that mean and why is it important that we consider that as we um, think about helping our kids prepare for post-secondary success?
1: Yep. So challenge-based learning is a new area of learning for our team as well. This is a, a relatively recent um, type of learning that, that, that has come out and it, it is similar to project-based learning in that it is about using real world problems or situations or challenges to engage students in, in learning and problem solving. And so it emphasizes collaboration, it's very hands-on, it's active learning for students. Um, it asks students to um, identify big ideas and, 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 cr- and even share their own thinking around those big ideas, ask questions, really dig into and inquire into areas of our world, um, discover what challenges might be there and how would we, how might we go about solving them? And, and through that then developing in-depth content area knowledge so really it's it's very similar there, there are a lot of components here that relate to like inquiry based learning where students are, are really digging in asking questions solving problems but it also um, embeds some of those 21st century skills and, and embeds technology and certainly those skills that we that i spoke to earlier uh, skills of collaboration right? right of teamwork and that sort of thing
0: and, and we see that play out across many of our classrooms mm-hmm. from pre-K through um, our seniors um, at, our, at our high schools. And so we, we've talked a lot about, and I'm going to bring you in, Jody, okay? okay. Uh, we've talked a lot about uh, the skill level of our teachers, the level of sophistication needed to um, plan out lessons, plan out experiences for our students. And uh, a big part of that is uh, our ability to attract talented teachers into our school, in addition to talented uh, administrators into um, our district. And so Jody, could you give an overview of pillar two, which is uh, the, the talented people component?
2: Absolutely, Dr. Pruitt. So Pillar 2 was um, really focused on the talented people in our organization and and identifying what does that mean. Um, We talked a lot about how the adults in our system are really responsible for the outcomes of our students. And so... um, We know in order to ensure that our students are thriving, our adults have to be thriving. So we talked about um, a couple really key components. Uh, The first one was really um, assuring that our resources are allocated more appropriately across our system based on our student data and our student needs. Um, As you mentioned, we talked about the importance of hiring. Um, How are we ensuring that our our pools are, are full of talent, that they're robust? How are we ensuring that we're selecting the right candidates for these positions in our district? And then how are we focusing on just onboarding them so that they are equipped with the skills they need to get started in our organization? And that really is coupled with the importance of retention. Um, so our team really dug a lot into really thinking about the components that affect retention. So culture, Relationship with managers, that's a key driver for employee engagement. Um, We talked about the need to focus on how we're getting information so that we can adjust some of the work we're doing in the system to better meet um, our employees' needs. We really spent a lot of time talking about, now once we have these employees in our system, how are we developing them? How are we growing them to meet the needs um, of our of the students in our classrooms? Um, we talked about the importance of feedback and coaching them and, and evaluating them um, And then coupled with that is how do we ensure we're paying them and offering benefits that not only attract, but help us retain the talented people that we need um, across our school community. Um, We talked about the importance of pipelines. So how are we seeing talent and identifying that talent and then growing that talent to meet some other needs across our system? So kind of in summary, Dr. Pruitt, Pillar 2 is really about how the adults in our system work grow and contribute to our system for the benefit of our students
0: thank you and so under this strategic plan would the district prioritize uh, the hiring uh, of, of new or experienced teachers and you know basically you know what is our priority you know what's our goal with regards to rec- recruitment of teachers are we focused on one type of teacher um, what's the priority for our district mm-hmm.
2: Our priority has been, and I think always will be, um, hiring the best candidates. And, you know, each position has different needs. Each classroom is a little bit different. Each school community is a little bit different. Departments have different needs. And so our focus will always be grounded in hiring the best candidates for our positions.
0: And so when you think about um, strategies in the past and, you know, um, you're leading the department now, What are the strategies that we're going to incorporate now or that we have incorporated now to recruit um, new talent to our district?
2: You know, we were really fortunate this year to have support of adding a recruiter to our department and really just having somebody who kind of is able to specialize in marketing and um, understanding where to go for talent and um, thinking outside the box. um, In Iowa, we have a system called Teach Iowa, and I think districts across the state have been reliant upon that being the pool for which we draw from. And I think we're just in a spot in um, our time right now where we have to think more creatively. So where do we go to find the best modern language teachers? Where do we go to find industrial technology teachers? Where do we go to find the best science teachers? So really thinking um, differently than we have in the past. I think the biggest change for us, Dr. Pruitt, is really focusing on how do we go to find candidates versus waiting for them to find us.
0: Absolutely. And so so how how are we using... Um, Technology, you know, how how are we using our human resources within the district to go out there and find the best talent nationally?
2: So, we're doing a lot more um, posting across social media to try to reach um, some different audiences. Um, This spring, we've kind of focused on um, the Minneapolis, Chicago, uh, Omaha, Kansas City. So really thinking about it may be more realistic for us at the beginning to think about how do we draw in from the Midwest? And then as we develop our brand, that was a a really big uh, topic of conversation for our action team. And um, Samantha, our director of communications, came in to talk with our group on we have to develop who is Ankeny and why would you want to come to Ankeny? And so as we work as a district to really increase our brand of who we are, and what we stand for, we'll start stretching the, that recruitment past the Midwest um, so that people start hearing Ankeny and, and want to be a part of the great work being done here.
0: And so once we get new talent to our district, now what are some things that you're thinking about in your department around how we keep them here? So through mentoring and professional learning for new staff and current staff?
2: One of the things a lot of the research is really grounded in is the importance of that um, employee-manager relationship. And so we've started having a lot of conversation as um, a district administrative team on how we build capacity of our managers, that being principals as well as department managers or people that supervise a group of people. Um, So we can bring in the best talent, but if they're not connecting with their manager, and they're not being trained to do the work we've hired them to do, then there's going to be some dissatisfaction there. So I think um, really focusing on um, helping our managers identify their own skill sets to be managers of people, not only managers of the work they've been assigned, but managers of people who are helping them do that work. Um Then um, our our director of professional learning, Al Neppel, has been a key partner to us in HR. He really helps us in identifying and and thinking about how to deliver some training and professional learning. Um, And I think as we start getting better at getting feedback from our staff, that's going to be an area where we can really respond to um, and helping them build the skill set and the tools to do all of those components that Jen just talked about in terms of academic and behavior supports for our students. Um, And then after we kind of get them the the skill that they need, it's following up and coaching them on that skill and developing and helping them continue to be um, focused on their own growth and development. Um, And that really comes in in our evaluation process. And one of the areas I think we'll focus on this next year is, is diving in a little bit more on how we become better evaluators of talent in our organization. Mm-hmm.
0: And so as a new employee that, that comes to the district, what say I'm a teacher, what could I expect with regards to mentoring opportunities as a new teacher?
2: Um, so to start off, um, you'll have an opportunity to attend an orientation this summer. Orientation is going to be all of those little compliance type things that you need to know to get started in the organization so it's going to be where to find information it's going to be things related to the um, Iowa ethics it's going to be things related to um, how do I get paid where do I go the first day all of those kind of things that you need to know to get started and then in August we kick off a four-day pre-service and and that's a collaboration um, by both our HR team and our academic services team really focusing on here's the key things you need to know within the first two weeks of school. And then we have a mentoring program that, um, depending upon the new hire's license, if they're standard, it's a one-year mentoring. If they're initial and new to the profession, it's two years. And we really have, we've developed a kind of, um, if you will, a curriculum guide where um, we have trimesters and each trimester is focused on different learning. And we have different people responsible for learning. So the mentor is really um, helping the new hire with their acclimation to the culture. How do you how do you live within the Ankeny Community School District? How, how are you taking care of yourself? Those social emotional pieces, our principals have a role in ensuring Um, that the teacher is is working towards the teaching standards and our our Charlotte Danielson um, evaluation model and helping them get acclimated to their new role in their building. Our instructional coaches have a role with the instruction and the pedagogy, and and then our PLCs have a role. So how are they working together as a team, and how are they looking at student data together, and how are they addressing their instruction? And so we've identified key people who really help with the growth and onboarding of our new people.
0: So we've talked about... Recruitment. We've talked about mentoring. We've talked about professional learning. We have teachers in 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 our in our district um, that um, have been here for um, a while. We have we're going to have new teachers. What's what's our plan um, outlined in in the strategic plan around how we're going to get feedback from our staff um, around how we're serving their needs. Um, what's going to keep them you know, what are we doing that's keeping keeping them here? What might we be what uh, might we be doing that might be um, pushing people out potentially? And so how do we collect feedback um, outlined in the strategic plan around just satisfaction and our response to the, um, the team members that we have in the district?
2: That's a great question. Um, so currently, um, we do exit surveys when people are leaving. Um, I think what we've learned from that is we want to know a couple different things. We want to know information before people decide to leave. And we also want to know why people stay so we can capitalize on those things. So this is a really great area of growth for us to really dig in and think about how do we get information from people in different ways and at different times throughout the year. So some examples of that would be some pulse surveys. Um, It could be like some stay surveys, like talking with people who have been here for a long time in the district and having them share like what keeps them here. Um, I think we will need to continue to look at our exit survey data. We're working with um, some other team members in our district on how we make those a little bit more robust and how we can pull data from those a little bit more. you know, easy, more easy so that we can um, react to that data data a little bit better. So I think um, just to summarize, it's really focusing on getting feedback and getting timely feedback and getting feedback continuously, not just at one time.
0: And so speaking of feedback, um, I know that it's integral from my office all the way down to the classroom that um, we are observed Provided, provided feedback and evaluated. And so as a teacher or any district employee, you know, what are the performance expectations for um, our team members? Um,
2: for teachers, we use um, the Charlotte Danielson model. We have that crosswalk with the Iowa teaching standards. So in Iowa, there's eight teaching standards um, that teachers have to be proficient in. So we've crosswalked those so that they really blend and talk well t- together. Um, so our teachers um, they're able to set some annual goals through our individual um, professional development process. They set goals and then they they earmark certain times throughout the year where they're they're looking at data and. Looking looking at the progression toward those goals, or modifying and adjusting those goals um, based upon the data. Um, they're meeting with their principals. They're meeting with their PLCs to talk about those goals and really learn and grow as a team and as a building. Um, we we have evaluation models for our other employee groups, um, but I think this is an opportunity for us to capitalize on some growth on how we get better at providing continuous feedback. Um, One thing with our um, non-teacher employees is we haven't we haven't worked well together on setting up goals. It's become more of a a compliance piece, and so I think this is an area where where we can really work with our managers um, and think about opportunities to do check-ins, opportunities to give informal and formal feedback, and um, how we how we help um, all levels of our employees grow and have a dialogue with them on where they're at and where they see themselves and. Steps we can take it as an organization to build their their skill set and talent.
0: No, you've said it before. Fee- feedback is, is really important, but then also the the manager's role is, is really important from central office to our, our our schools. And so how how our principals, APs, our managers at central office provide feedback. lends lends to the the amount of people that we retain in in our district and I believe the level of satisfaction um, of our team members here within the district.
2: Absolutely. Um, like I said, one of the key components of our of our um, strategic plan group was really talking about the relationship with the manager being the key driver of engagement. People stay because of the relationships they have um, with their managers, and and I think that that's a that's an interesting role to navigate. Right, as a manager, you have to know how to give feedback, but yet also build people up and engage in that culture piece too. So it, it's a it's a balance. It's it's a balance of connecting with people. It's It's a balance of helping them grow. It's a balance of being honest with them and giving them honest feedback, but also being encouraging and helping them um, grow as a person. So I think that's a key opportunity for us to really think about and capitalize on as we move through um, the next few years.
0: And so the development of our teachers, our managers, our principals, APs is really important. And that comes through professional development opportunities that our district provides. What choice do our team members have in professional development in our district?
2: Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about what choice they'll have moving forward. Um, So this next year, we have carved out some protected time um, for our managers and and supervisors. Um, You know, I was talking with Dr. Hawk the other day, and and I think the last, it feels like the last two years, we've had to put a lot of those components on hold because we were grounded in really ensuring that our system was set up to um, move through this pandemic. And now that um, we're kind of moving back toward the, things other things within our department. Um, our team has started talking about what is some of the work that um, we've kind of had started pre-pandemic um, and that we can start moving forward on and kind of picking up those pieces. And one of those is training. Um, Pre-pandemic, we were doing a lot of book studies or articles or we were pulling teams of people together. And it'll be fun to get back in that track and back really working with our managers on, um, I said this at the beginning, um, really working with them on being people managers Mm -hmm. and defining what does that mean to us individually and what does that mean to us as an an organization? And then identifying, you know, self-reflecting and identifying what are, what are some ways that I can grow as a manager? What are some, you know, opportunity to be vulnerable? What are some skill sets that I need to get better at or I need to improve at? And then our job um, through human resources and with our director of professional learning is really um, looking at those needs and helping them find the resources to grow in the areas that they have identified.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, again, over the, uh, over the course of the year, learning about the, the city, the district, a point of pride from the community has always been uh, a belief that uh, the teachers, uh, the school leaders that we have really care about um, our, our students. But an, another point of pride um, in the community is how our buildings and facilities look. And so that really that, that really points to uh, um, uh, uh, an intense focus around how um, our district uh, from the school board to former superintendents to district leadership have been focused on providing a supportive learning environment for all of our students. And, and so, Dr. Hawk, um, c- can you just give me an overview of you know, this pillar three and um, w- what's intended around supportive learning environments?
3: Absolutely. So um, the the third pillar of our strategic plan is is really looking at how do we ensure that our facilities um, support the work that you just heard um, Dr. Lindeman and Mrs. Graham talk about as far as what do our students need um, to make sure that all of those educational opportunities are, are supported? What do our staff need to make sure that they're feeling uh, supported when they come to work each day? And that, that really looks at... Um, a lot of dis- different aspects of our system, everything from uh, when a student gets on the bus in the morning on their way to school, what the grounds um, look like and feel like as, as people arrive at our schools every day, and then especially what does what does the inside of our buildings, um, how does that feel for our students and for our staff as they're as they're doing their work each day? Um, that looks at things like you know what kind of furniture do we put in our buildings, what is the lighting like. Um, how do we make sure that uh, we have secure entrances so that, that our students are safe while they're at, at, at school each day? And it's, it's more than just the physical aspect of, of feeling supported and secure in the, in the building each day. It's also making sure that both our students and staff feel emotionally supported and ready to learn and ready to teach when they come to work or school each day.
0: Absolutely. And so one of the components within this pillar revolves around mental health supports. For our students and families, and so, what does that support look like coming from a district that's not um, a health institution?
3: Exactly, we're we're not a clinic, and that's that's not the goal. But we also, like I was just saying, want to make sure that people feel emotionally prepared to learn and emotionally prepared to engage students in learning each day. And so, um, I think one of the uh, one of the really important aspects of of the third pillar is is looking at our our community um relationships that we have with with organizations within our community and so we currently partner with two organizations to provide some counseling and, and assistance to students or staff that, that need that. Um, we will look to both uh, strengthen those partnerships and engage in other partnerships to make sure that our students have the support that they
0: need. Thank you. And, and another component that's connected, uh, I believe, to the, the mental health supports that will identify outside of the school district is uh, the socially emotional learning supports uh, that um, will, will equip our staff mm-hmm with to, su- to support our students. So what do those supports look like moving forward in our district?
3: Yeah, I think it's really important that people understand how those supports are really um, connected to and a part of the overall curriculum that Dr. Lindemann was talking about before. She mentioned Leader in Me quite a bit in in uh, her response around Pillar 1. And that that Leader in Me program is, um, is recognized as a... Uh, a curriculum that supports social emotional learning so while our students engage in all those leadership um, opportunities and those um, those uh, collaborative opportunities that she was discussing it's also making sure that that they're feeling um, emotionally supported within within the environment and that goes even beyond just the lessons. The, the Leader in Me program has influenced our, the interior design of our buildings pretty significantly. Um, it, it, everything down to the signage that we have in our buildings. And, and that will continue on through our secondary schools as we progress through the strategic plan. But that Leader in Me program is really central um, to our academic progress and our, our social emotional learning in the district.
0: Earlier in the year, Dr. Lindeman, uh, our board approved an SEL specialist, and so what? What could I? What can our listeners expect um, uh, to see around how our SEL specialists will be supporting our our schools across the district?
1: That SEL specialist. Um first and foremost, will be very connected to the Leader in Me implementation plan that we have for the school district. They'll be leading that work across the system with support from others. Um, That person will also um, serve as a key resource for our team of counselors across our school district, work very closely with our director of special programs and assistant director of special programs, um, because as we talk about Leader in Me, that's really a, a uh, a program uh, that uh, supports students in, um, across the entire district at every grade level. It's, it's, it's for all students, but as we start to see students who need additional support beyond maybe what, what we provide for all students, that social-emotional learning specialist will be working with teams who specialize in intensifying those supports which includes our counselors, it includes our social workers, it includes some of those outside partners that we have, Um, that social emotional specialist will really be um, kind of the lead on all of those and coordinating those services and, and helping our schools, uh, Design those tiers of support um, and that need intensification as students demonstrate a need for
0: more support. And then as our principals develop, looking to the 22-23 school year, as they develop those improvement plans for their buildings in collaboration with their ILT, they should be identifying those areas of support both academically, socially, emotionally, behaviorally that they need to fill in with regards to um, reaching out to the SEL specialists and academic services around how they might support the school leader in supporting their teachers.
1: Absolutely. Yep. And they'll be using data. We have lots of data around all of those areas that help those buildings determine what they need to prioritize in the year ahead.
0: Absolutely. And so, uh, Dr. Hawk, when we think when we talk about um, learning environments, uh, we often hear, um, being safe and secure. And so you know, what does that mean for this strategic plan around providing a secure environment for our staff and for our students? So we
3: have spent uh, quite a bit of time over the last several years making sure that all of our buildings have uh, secure entrances, changing the practices for when visitors come to the building, how they check into the building, um, making sure that our students are wearing IDs so that they can easily be identified. And so moving forward with the strategic plan, we will um, engage in security audits um, to make sure that, that we're doing everything possible to make sure that those buildings are secure. Um, beyond just the building aspect, we also need to make sure that our technology systems are secure. And so, another key aspect of that third pillar is um, ongoing security audits from our technology system to make sure that we're implementing practices that are going to keep our data safe and our networks safe and our students and staff safe
0: while they're on those networks. So, speaking of technology, um, earlier about halfway through the year, um, we had the entire district switch to Google. Yes. Um, and we're now in a second phase of our Google implementation where we're doing two-factor authentication for all of our staff. Why is that important for our district and you know, what do our staff need to know about why they should um, support this?
3: Yeah, it is um, really important that uh, when you think about all of the data that exists that, that Jen was just talking about, um, just from the leader in me aspect, but when you think about how that transfers out to academic data, health data, all the data that we use to support students, it's, it's critical that that data be secure. And so this two-factor authentication is is a process that just makes sure that the person that's logging into that that device that's logging into that account is actually the person that's supposed to be logging into that account and, and making sure that the right eyes are on that data and that no one is able to get into that and access it that shouldn't.
0: And so I've experienced this where you could, you could potentially be a victim of a phishing scam. Absolutely. And if our staff member, without this two-factor authentication, our systems are actually, more vulnerable through phishing scams where they could potentially gain access to critical information and so this is really a secure barrier a, a more secure barrier for protecting information for staff and information for students. Yes, exactly. If that password is
3: somehow compromised and and it is used on a different device, it will immediately prompt for that second factor of authentication. And if uh, the person who who got that password somehow doesn't have that authentication, they're not going to be able to access our data. But without that second factor authentication program, um, they potentially could.
0: And so part of the technology that we're going to be um, investing in moving forward requires the appropriate infrastructure. And so in the strategic plan, it talks about standards for new construction. What does that mean for us moving forward in our, um, in our district? Well,
3: we're very fortunate here in Ankeny that uh, we've had an increasing student enrollment population for, for decades, and we anticipate that continuing. And so in order to support that, we build new buildings fairly regularly. And part of that process is partnering with um, our current administration, our current teaching staff, Um, architects and engineers and designers to make sure that when we design a new building that it is um, using the the most current standards for construction, most current standards for supporting education within that building. And so as we we do that work, that really informs how we're renovating our our current buildings because we want to make sure that regardless of where a student attends school, Um, They're having that same kind of supportive and secure environment that we've been talking about up to this point. So um, not only are we looking at new construction, but we're engaged in evaluating our current buildings and facilities to make sure that they're meeting that same standard.
0: Thank you. And so one of the questions that I've received over the past few months um, leading up to the approval of the strategic plan is how will the district monitor progress and measure success with the implementation of the strategic plan. And so I'm, I'm gonna ask each of you just one one or two things um, around you know, the metrics, the tools that you'll be using to measure progress. And then uh, I'll, I'll share what we're currently working on as a team around implementation of the strategic plan. And so uh, Dr. Lindeman, under pillar one, you know, what, are, what are some metrics that you know we're gonna be looking at and tools that we'll be using to monitor progress?
1: Well, um, we have some local tools such as um, measuring and looking at the number of students and where their progress is on standards. We can pull that data through our Infinite Campus system and take a look at um, are our students meeting or exceeding those standards of our curriculum. Um, Currently, we can do that fairly readily, K-8, and we look forward to being able to do that K-12 in in the future. Um, We also can pull attendance data. Um, We can pull... um, office referral data, but probably more helpful in in the behavior side would be looking at our behavior standards, our work habits um, standards, and looking at student progress there. Um, We also have some state assessments that help us measure progress, Um, the the FAST assessments that we use K-7, and um, soon we'll be taking that up to grade eight. Those assessments um, help us really screen three times a year, um, but also gives teachers data that helps them um, look more deeply at a student's performance and maybe engage in a diagnostic assessment um, and then potentially interventions and, and progress monitoring at that level. Um, We've been rolling out a new uh, special education uh, platform through the state called Achieve. And Achieve has some really nice features for us to pull data on students who have IEPs and their progress towards their goals, um, which is really important to us in terms of looking at our demographic group data. We also have um, assessments aligned to um, uh, our ESOL uh, students who are served in, in that area. So looking at Whole group data as as well as some of our demographic group data, breaking it down and looking at progress there. Uh, Certainly our ISAS, the statewide assessments, that's um, certainly a a delayed uh, assessment. We get the data after the end of the year, but it's something we want to look at as a system. Mm Um, so that the MRA more more assessments just keep coming to mind but the MRA right. is one we utilize through our leader and me program as we are implementing that in our, our system so um, we have a number of measurements that we look at um, assessments that we look at that help us determine um, where we're making progress and where we need to do a little more work
0: Jody pillar two
2: um, I would echo what dr. Linneman said I think there's a lot of components in which to look at measurement Um Um, I think to start off with looking at um, how we're offering our professional development and ensuring that that's meeting um, all employees across the district. i think um, our evaluation tools doing a little bit better in um, not only utilizing those tools but then um, looking through uh, an analysis and a summary and then adjusting our practices based off of that Um, our hiring data our retention data those are key components and earlier i talked a lot about the importance of getting feedback from our staff so really digging into and um, thinking about some new and innovative ways to gather that feedback whether it's through poll surveys whether it's through um, maybe an opportunity or more opportunities to give feedback one-on-one or face-to-face, stay surveys, exit surveys, those kinds of pieces. Um, And then I think, too, just really digging into looking at data more across all employee groups. I think as an educational institution, we're, we're better at getting data from our teacher groups. But as an organization, to make sure all parts are successful, thinking differently about how we get data from all different parts of our organization.
0: Thank you. Dr. Hall. pillar three. Yeah, we will be... Um
3: using some of the same uh, data that that has just been discussed in order to, uh, specifically when you think about the social and emotional learning aspect, how are we implementing Leader and Me? um, Are all of our students and and staff um, engaged in that work? I think uh, we will be doing some some work on facility audits and and technology audits to, again, make sure that our, our facilities are up to date and safe we will be engaging in some work with our community and staff members to look at the structures particularly of our secondary system um, how we're going to uh, plan for buildings how we're going to plan for accommodating student growth what those buildings need to look like what the programming is going to look like and so um, early on here in the strategic plan we'll start to see some of the results of of that we'll be looking at our community engagement how our parents and our community involved uh, with our schools, um, with organizations like our parent-teacher organizations and and those types of things, so we're really excited to to um, to start engaging our, our whole system in uh, in
0: implementing these ideas. So our to our listeners, even though the strategic plan was just approved, we're currently working to identify metrics for tracking progress toward the goals and objectives listed in the strategic plan, and we'll begin drafting a five-year implementation plan for the various strategies to achieve these goals. District leadership will provide the board and community with regular updates on the initial phases of this work and will develop a strategy for ongoing engagement of the board, staff, parents, community members, and students as we as we build out these three plans of action. I want to say thank you to Jen, Darren, and uh, Jody for joining us to talk about the strategic plan, and thank you f- uh, to our listeners for joining us for this episode of We Are Ankeny. We Are Ankeny. Thank you for listening to the We Are Ankeny Podcast, the official podcast of Ankeny Community Schools.